And the question is not, why should I forgive others? The real question is, why should God forgive you? This is All Things New with Pastor Barry E. Fields. Is it well with your soul today? It's a question we have to ask each day, isn't it? Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21. Then Peter came up to him and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Now to pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant, as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debts. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This sermon is an inexhaustible sermon. By that, I don't mean I plan on preaching for the rest of the afternoon. What I mean is that regardless of how many times we learn the gospel lesson of forgiveness, we can never be taught it enough. Some of us here today are holding grudges against other people, maybe against fellow believers, and maybe if you were honest with yourself, you would wish the worst on what someone else has done to you because of what they've done. And really, if you're going along with the way that society tells you to go, you're not doing anything different than what the culture demands. What does the world tell you? Don't get mad, get even. Every person who has offended you, a lot of people keep a list, write people off. And you can require people to pay at the altar of your embittered heart all your life. But what you don't realize is that the cost comes out of your own pocket and out of your own expense. We understand within this passage of Scripture that the very purpose of church discipline is not simply rebuke, but restoration. It's so that the person may be restored unto the grace of God and into fellowship with the church. And it's the purpose of establishing whether or not someone was truly repentant. And in the Jewish tradition, you were required to forgive someone three times. 
And so when Peter comes to Jesus and asks this question, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times is actually pretty generous. Peter thinks he's going above and beyond. But Jesus tells to him, says to him, not 70 times, but 77 times. Some translations say 70 times 7. I think the correct one is 77 times. But regardless of how many times you keep score, God says you must be willing to forgive. Because love keeps no record of wrongs, and Peter has to keep forgiving simply because God has forgiven him, therefore he grants that forgiveness to others. In the Old Testament, a loan was granted as temporary use. And so Israel's own experience with slavery had given a nation, the nation a heart for those who had been mistreated or marginalized. And so they would hand out loans, and they were to do so generously. Now later on, Jewish tradition broke from that, and that's where a stereotype took place. But lending was actually the sharing of God's gifts, and compassionate lending was a measure of a righteous person. And here's one of the things, you could not charge interest to a fellow Israelite in the Old Testament. How'd you like to have a loan with zero interest? That sounds all right, doesn't it? If you were a fellow Israelite, you could not charge that. You couldn't threaten the debtor's dignity or family. And then on top of that, they would have years of release in the Jubilee year where you would have to forgive all of those debts. And here we're greeted with this first servant who owes a significant amount of money. We estimate it's equivalent to billions of dollars, perhaps even as much as $1 trillion. And Jesus uses this astronomical sum because he knows that this person will never be able to pay it back and he wants his audience to understand that. He'll have to sell his family into slavery. There's no way he's going to be able to repay this debt because it's too much. And this second servant comes along. First servant is forgiven by the king, one who owns, owes 10,000 denarii, billions in debt. And he goes and tries to seek money from the second servant who owes money to the first servant. And it tells us that the amount that he owed was quite a bit less than that. As a matter of fact, it would have been the equivalent of about $4,000. Now, $4,000 may be a lot of money to you, it is to me, but it's not nearly the equivalent of billions. And rather than treating this second servant as the first servant had been treated by the king, this first servant instead chokes him by the neck, throws him into prison, and now, since he can't work, there's no way for him to be able to repay his debt. And if you've heard of passing it along, I don't think the first servant got that memo. Shouldn't the first servant have taken mercy of his master and given that to others? Who is he to demand of others what hasn't been demanded of him? And if this makes you angry, it should. Who is he? Who are we? Because I'm convinced that very often we take the mercy that God has given to us and we throw it away when it comes to others. But here's the measurement. Your mercy from God will be measured by your mercy toward others. And you can't extend the grace of God to others until you understand that the grace of God has been extended to you. You say, well, you, you don't understand my situation. No, I don't. But Jesus does. And the question is not, why should I forgive others? The real question is, why should God forgive you? 
I hear people say all the time, well, no one deserves to be saved. That's true. None of us deserve the grace of God. And neither do any of us deserve the forgiveness of God. And then we turn right around and hold bitterness in our heart towards others. Because somewhere deep inside your heart, even if you won't acknowledge it, is the belief that your righteousness is better than another person's righteousness. And this is what makes Christianity so difficult, that the thief on the cross who's there for six hours gets just as much forgiveness as someone who's been in here all their life. You say, that's not really fair. Oh, you don't want fairness with God. Trust me. Isn't it ironic that we are so quick to blame others for the very same things that we do? And here's what will make you most mad. When you get angry at the sins of others, most often it is because they sin differently than you do. Very quick to blame others when God says it's us who stands in the need of prayer. And it ultimately comes down to what you believe about God's work in your own life. Because the real problem that you have when you can't forgive isn't with people. Your problem is with God. And he will fix that problem in the next life if you don't fix it in this one. In fact, he goes so far to say that if you don't forgive others, God won't forgive you. You know, we take this pride, this arrogance, this stubborn heart that says, I didn't do anything wrong, someone else has wronged me, I'm not to blame. And then we stand before the God of the universe who dwells in unfathomable light, whose presence you cannot even enter because of his incomprehensible glory and his unsearchable ways. And maybe we ought to get off of our high horse and get on our knees because you're way out of your league when you try to play the arbiter. Of God. And the offense that bothers you most is the one that you most need to forgive. Let's talk about what forgiveness is not, because some people get this off. I had a church leader say to me one time years and years ago, well, the Bible says forgive and forget. <laughs> I wish he'd read the Bible because it doesn't say that. Forgiveness is not forgetfulness. I, I can't simply block memories out of my mind. That, that, that's not going to happen. I can't act like something didn't happen. It's not that. It's not an excuse for sin. It's not forgetfulness. It's not enablement. God hasn't told us to exchange wisdom for foolishness. In fact, he says to the one who stole, it's not enough for you not to steal anymore. You've got to learn how to work. You've got to earn a living. And so I could forgive someone who stole, who stole from me without leaving my wallet on the table for them to take and causing a temptation and a stumbling block for them. It's not forgiveness. It's not forgetfulness. It's not enablement. Instead, it simply means I won't hold it against them anymore. And that's the psalm that was just quoted earlier, Psalm 103. God doesn't say he will forget about your sins. He never says that. He says, I will remember them against you no more. That's the difference. And here's the thing, too. It doesn't even matter whether or not the person who you're forgiving wants or deserves your forgiveness. This freedom is, is for yourself. It's, 
it'll do way more for you than it will for others. And you say, well, well how do I forgive? I've tried. <laughs> do you try to eat one time? Do you try to sleep one time? Do you pray one time? You just, just as you do all those other things, you've got to pray daily. Father, help me to forgive as you have forgiven me. And to be reminded that you forgive because you have been forgiven. One person put it this way, mercy experienced will produce mercy demonstrated. When we recognize that Christ paid a debt he didn't know because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. The key to forgiveness is to stop focusing on what others have done to us and focus instead on what Jesus has done for us. It's not until you understand the mercy and grace of God in your own life that you will be able to extend that to others. I wonder how many of us would take a spouse, knowing that the significant other that we had dated for years and years cheats on us every single day, doesn't treat us well, and really isn't the best thing for us. Surely no one in their right mind would counsel you to marry that person, would you? And you'd be wise to receive that counsel. And yet that is exactly what Jesus does for us. People who are unfaithful. People who don't read his word, much less obey his word. People who every time we're given a door to run away, we often do. And yet God takes us because of his matchless, marvelous, infinite grace. And he says what you can't do in any situation is you cannot play the role of God. You have no right to withhold from others what God has not withheld from you. And the measurement of the world, knowing who we are as believers, is how well we are able to forgive. Because often our forgiveness of others points people towards God's forgiveness of them. And the key verse in this whole passage is found in verse 33. And if you get a chance, mark this, memorize it, underline it. This is what the king, the master, says to this first servant who doesn't, Treat the second servant well. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? So often we treat Christianity as a to-do list. I've got to get these things done. I've got to read my Bible, got to pray, got to go to church, got to give to the offering, got to sign up for something. That's good. But if you operate out of that, then really all you're doing is being a a moral person. What separates Christianity from everything else is I don't do these things just to do them. I do them because of what God has done for me. And so I come to his house because Jesus is worthy of worship. I read his word because he's written it to me that I might obey truth, that I might hide his word in my heart and not sin against him. I give because he gave his all for me. I serve because he served the least of us. And when you stop operating out of your own righteousness and start operating out of the righteousness of Christ, it enables you to be able to forgive. No matter how difficult it may be, mercy received, mercy given. 
One of my favorite stories that Jesus shares is found in a, a couple of the Gospels. The most prominent example is in Luke, and it's when he enters into a Pharisee's house, a well-to-do kind of place, one who knew the rules, knew how to keep everything looking good for religious appearances. And while Jesus is reclined at table, the Bible tells us that a woman comes in and she pours this alabaster ointment at Jesus' feet. She wasn't supposed to do that. That was not ritual. And people begin to look around and wonder what she's doing. She wipes his feet with her hair. She doesn't have a towel. And they're looking around saying, who, who is this, this, this woman? She has no business being where she is. And Jesus begins by asking them questions. And he says, Simon, the head Pharisee, who is the one who loves more, the one who has forgiven little or the one who has been forgiven much? <laughs> he said, the one who has been forgiven much. And then Jesus said, the one who has been forgiven much is the one who loves much. And then he proceeded to rebuke the religious people and say to them, you did not anoint my feet. She has sprayed the most expensive perfume she has. You did not give me a towel to wipe them off. And she has used her hair. This unrighteous woman understands the grace of God better than the religious people do. And so will it be when Jesus allows entrance into the kingdom of heaven and we stand before him, will you grant to others the same measure of forgiveness that God has granted to you? Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at veryefields.com.